This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's hockey podcast show. I'm Paul Bruce, Statsman, and you can follow me at Statsman22, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, AJ Schultz, who's a great follow at AJ24. We're going to bring you our usual news and notes segment in a minute, as well as welcoming a guest author on today's episode, but I have to begin this show with an examination of my co-host's conduct and his contract, because uh, recently... He may have been outside the bounds of that contract with some of his antics. AJ, did I see that you went skydiving recently? Tell us why you did that and describe that experience. So actually, Paul, uh, that's, uh, that's one of those Facebook memories uh, that you can share out there. My, uh, my wife and I did that two years ago, so haven't done it while uh, co-host a podcast, so we're all good there. <laughs> um, but no, we... Uh, we were down in uh, down in Florida, and uh, it was something I had always uh, wanted to try. Um, but I, I uh, as I'm sure many of our listeners have as well, struggled with my weight for a long time. Uh, so it was a reward for for losing a bunch of weight. They have usually weight limits there uh, for skydiving. So lost the weight, went down there and did it. Um, absolutely indescribable. Um, just being able to see the Earth, you could kind of see the the curve of the Earth a little bit from where we jumped out. Um, it was out over the, the ocean, and then we landed on the beach. Um, and the, the one thing that I always tell people is that the sound is kind of the most amazing part. Um, when, you know, when that plane door opens all the way through your free fall, it's just unbelievably loud. The wind's just rushing past you. It's absolutely insane. And then that chute opens, and it's just silent. I mean, you're still 5,000 feet up. You know, the sound doesn't really get up to you that well. Um, up there so yeah it just goes from completely loud noisy a lot going on to just silence and kind of a slow glide down to the down back down to earth wow i i don't think i have the the chutzpah to pull that off i i my hat's off to you but uh you stand you stayed clear of any contract uh, issues <laughs> so i appreciate that and and so do our friends at rotowire because we don't want anything to happen to our my trusty sidekick on this show <laughs> yeah no we're we're in the clear on that one. I, I definitely recommend it, though, for anybody that's ever thought about it. Um, it's an absolute adrenaline rush. Just seeing the video, um, I kind of get jazzed up again um, just watching the video of doing it. That's cool. So, but before we get on to the program, I, I did also want to remind our listeners uh, that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, uh, you can always tweet us. Again, uh, that's at Statsman22, at AJScholes24, and we'll try and answer your questions either during the week or on the podcast. Yeah, I want to also chime in and thank our listeners for their questions and comments. Uh, they've, they're coming up with some interesting ones, usually trade situations in their relative leagues, and that's okay. We like to venture our opinions there as well. Uh, well, as I mentioned off the top, though, we uh, are happy, very happy today to 
make history on the show with our first guest uh, joining us on on the podcast and and that is uh, hockey author Greg Oliver. We want to have a little fun with this as we're only a few weeks away from Christmas and hopping for hockey fanatics in our lives. And it's made easier by the number of new books that come out every year. And we're going to take a look at a few of them in the coming weeks. Today, as I said, my friend Greg Oliver is here with us. He's come up with a very interesting volume entitled Blue Lines, Goal Lines, and Bottom Lines. Greg, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. Uh, can you share your inspiration for this project and how you got going with it, Greg? Well, it's it's a second book. We did uh, an earlier one called uh, Written in Blue and White. Essentially, it's a collection of... Uh, classic old documents. I mean, it might be personal letters, it might be contracts, it might be uh, all kinds of unique stuff. Uh, there's uh, Wayne Gretzky's high school transcript from Indianapolis. The idea is that there's a collector in Toronto whose name's Alan Stitt. Uh, he's one of the most uh, well-known uh, lawyer mediators in the country, uh, and he loves documents, and he's been collecting for a while, and he had the idea that uh, he wanted to share what he has. Uh, so yeah, we got in touch, uh, and ECW Press has put out uh, two books now. The first one was all Leaf stuff, and as we sat down to come up with the second book, it's like, let's do everything but the Leafs. Uh, so some of the stuff still came from the files of the Maple Leaf Gardens. In fact, that's some of the most interesting things, where these documents come from. Basically, when Stan Abodiak died at the Leafs, um, Harold Ballard said, throw everything out. Uh, so they had all these uh, classic old filing cabinets that uh, had, you know, letters from Turk Broda and all this old stuff, and it got thrown out. But the guys at the gardens knew there was value, and so that stuff's been resurfacing on, uh, you know, auction sites over the last number of years. Uh, another example is the Minnesota North Stars when they moved to Dallas, they just tossed tons of files. Um, but apparently, it's only the last two boxes that ever have surfaced. I mean, the A to a to M or whatever are just lost in some dumpster somewhere. Uh, so it, there's just unique stuff everywhere, and some of it comes up for auction, and Alan bids on it, and I get to write about it. Yeah, Greg, can you can you elaborate a little bit more on 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 Alan and his motivation for kind of compiling this collection? Well, I mean, everybody in most people like to collect something, right? Might be hockey cards, might be uh, Pokemon cards. My dad's a huge stamp collector. Alan, you know, partly I think it's his job. He, he just likes paperwork and, and likes seeing how contracts uh, evolve through the years. Uh, he was in, he was at the big hockey card expo, which is, of course, coming up this weekend in Toronto, and uh, he saw like a, a Teeter Kennedy contract and he looked at it and it was seemed incredibly underpriced uh, at 250 uh, for, I think that's what it was, uh, for what was an autograph from a Hockey Hall of Famer. Uh, compared to the value of like a hockey card, like there's only three of these contracts that ever existed, and yet it was criminally underpriced, really. So he, you know, thought about the value of things and started collecting it, and and he's got a wonderful collection now. Greg, uh, want to get into some of the specific highlights of the book that I found going through it. Fascinating stuff. Uh, what did you find out about the time of the World Hockey Association, the first rival professional hockey association of the NHL? and how the early days of that that league really impacted my favorite club, the Maple Leafs. Yeah, it, there's, um, there was a few documents in the, in the Leafs especially, but the other one is, of course, the, the North Stars that Allen has a number of things from. So Ren Blair was the uh, general manager at the time. And in both examples, um, there are the general managers, so Jim Gregory of the Leafs and, and Ren Blair, writing to players, or in the case of um, Jim Gregory's writing to Marcel Provenost, who's the, uh, he was the coach of the minor league team who jumped to the WHA to coach there. They're basically saying, you guys are making a big mistake, this is not going to fly. Um, but it's also proof how the two teams didn't operate the same way at all in the WHA. The Leafs, as we know, got decimated. They lost a lot of great players to the WHA. Whereas the North Stars had signed all their players and they didn't lose anybody, uh, at least not that first year. Uh, it's kind of remarkable how Ren Blair saw that coming and, and yet Harold Ballard, I think, probably had something to do with it uh, that the, um, the Leafs didn't think it was going to fly. Um, you know, I want AJ to, to chime in here in a minute, but I want to take a, a walk through some of the hockey royalty that shared information on this book. Talk about your interaction with 
Gretzky and Beliveau documents? Well, in both cases, I wish I could have talked to them, but uh, um, <laughs> the Gretzky stuff's pretty unbelievable. I mean, uh, Alan at some point acquired the actual contract that he signed on his 19th birthday at the Northlands Coliseum. It was a very famous picture that circulated of him. Um, so he's got that. He's got stuff like his Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds contract, which is <laughs> is neat. Um, and then uh, the, the one I mentioned earlier, the high school transcript from uh, Indianapolis. It appears he wasn't a very good student. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which means he's no, he's no Connor McDavid, right? What about that report card? I was kind of surprised to see that. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a different time. Uh, in fact, it jumps ahead a little bit to my next book is on Father Bauer and the Canadian Olympic program and how he's the one that started the whole idea that, you know, guys who are in the Canadian Hockey League should get an education. Uh, and that happened under his watch. Like, he's the one that, that basically had all these disciples go into coaching and, and started that happening. So here we see Gretzky, you know, he's playing professional hockey before he's even finished high school. It's really hard to finish high school, I think, when you're playing in the WHA. So we'll cut Gretzky a little bit of slack. Very good. Uh, Greg, what about some of the, the lesser-known subjects? Um, do you have, like, a, a favorite story uh, that you kind of wanted to highlight? Well, I, I call it sort of going down the rabbit hole. Like, you find something and you go, wow, this is really neat. I want to learn more about it. Uh, and it can be... You know, it can be just guys whose signatures are on these pages, and you didn't really understand why. So, Elmer Ferguson is a good one. I just called up in front of me here. So, he was the, the, the sports writer in Montreal. Uh, he was heavily involved in the early days of the NHL. So, he basically covered the beginning of the NHL and then the expansion draft. That's how long he covered the NHL. He's responsible a lot for the stats that, we, that got standardized. Uh, this and that, but he was writing to this dude uh, that Alan has a copy of, and you're trying to figure out, okay, who's this guy, who's this guy, and so you learn that this guy, Dion, uh, Emil Dion, was this uh, basically a commissioner of all these even smaller leagues, like below the AHL, and and he was constantly writing to the different powers that be, because there's a number of uh, letters in Alan's collection from him, and I've seen a couple of the Hockey Hall of Fame archives, too. So, Today we have all the guys who spout what they want on Twitter and become sort of pests that way. Well, Emil Dion was a was an old management guy who uh, started doing that with uh, letters back in the 1930s. Okay, Greg, we're we're a fantasy hockey show, and I told you I'd like to include your FanDuel lineups in tonight's uh, for tonight's games in this episode. So. I, I know you sent the picks in. Let's go through uh, the selections that you made, you and I. So we'll begin with your two center choices from tonight's 10-game slate. Yeah, it was a real challenge. I enjoyed it, uh, you know, trying to figure out your – you want to maximize the use of your money for sure. Uh, so you don't want to have uh, a lot of scrubs, but you want to have a couple of stars too. So it's a good balance. Uh, Connor McDavid, um, you know, there's always – we're Canadian. You grow up, you always know a story. Well, my grand – well, my – my son's grandmother, so my wife's, my mother-in-law, uh, she uh, is good friends with Connor McDavid's uh, grandmother, uh, and uh, so I'm also reading his the, the book, The McDavid Effect, that just came out. I just started that yesterday, so that, that seemed like a no-brainer. Uh, Mike, or what's his name, Mark Shuffley from the the uh, Winnipeg. Did I even say that right? Mark Shuffley. Yeah. Shuffley. Okay, he's been on a bit of a hot streak, uh, so I, I may as well ride that a little bit. And then you picked four wingers, and there's a couple of interesting stories there as well. <laughs> well, Mitch Marner, I, I know you're a big Leafs guy. I, I really like what he's done, and uh, I think he's got tons of potential, and, and he went through it the right way with the London Knights and all that. Uh, but I hated the London Knights. I have to say, I grew up in <laughs> Kitchener. I went to Ranger games all the time, and we were close enough to the arena that you know it was about a 10, 15-minute walk to get there. So by the time I was in high school, I could walk over to the games and just check out the puck bunnies. Uh, but Gabriel Anderson was the uh, the captain there, so not that I saw him, but uh, he's a Ranger, so that I love that about him. Uh, JT Miller, I didn't know much about him, but uh, he I had to fit a price tag guy, so he's in there. And Patrick Laney from the the Winnipeg again. I, he might end up being better than Matthews. I mean, he just seems, I don't know, it just seems a little more polished there. Matthews will get there maybe, but I think Laney's ahead of him right now. Well, Laney's more of a finisher, 
uh, I'll defend uh, my guy, as you tell tell the listeners, Austin Matthews. He's got a more a well-rounded game, I think. Liney is more of a sniper type, in my opinion. But we'll see how that plays out. It's going to be great fodder for the rest of the season and a, and a wonderful rookie race. The Leaf vote may, may be split, in fact, with uh, three of their top young prospects in the running there. But uh, let's stick with this and go to your defense choices, uh, Greg. Yeah, they, they were a little tougher because, you know, you want to have a star and then you really do have to often fit in a guy on salary. So, uh, and, and it was surprising. I mean, the one guy I initially picked, then I looked at him and then, oh, he's on waivers. I guess I better not put him on my team tonight. <laughs> uh, but uh, Shea Weber, I, I, I love the trade. Um, I think it's going to be good for both teams. Uh, and the Habs are playing so well. So he was an easy choice. The other guy I took, uh, I didn't know much about, but uh, I mean, I started reading about him. He seems like he's on a little bit of a roll too. Brady uh, Skay. Skay, is that how you say his yeah, name? That's, that's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, you know, plays for the Rangers. Uh, so, you know, they're playing uh, Vancouver's in town. Vancouver has not had a very good time lately, of course. So, uh, that may be a good chance for the Rangers to, to rack up some points. And in goal, finally, you didn't surprise by picking maybe the best in the game. Well, yeah. I mean, Terry Price is heads and tails above everybody else. He had his night off the other night, uh, and Montoya got bombed, right? But, uh, you know, Price is, is the competitor, and he'll want to play, uh, and they're playing, you know, Boston. So it's <laughs> those games are always uh, fraught with excitement, so why not go with Kerry Price? Yeah, that, that game made Columbus my second favorite uh, team in the NHL. Any team that bombs the Canadians is, is A-OK in my book, Greg. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank you for playing FanDuel, Greg. That was great. Well, it was fun. Like I said, it was it was definitely an interesting uh, way to do it. A little bit different than some of the other you know ones that are out there, and that makes it fun. Yeah, Greg, I do have to say I have some some concerns about your lineup. There aren't any penguins in there, so I don't know how that's going to hold up. But uh... Uh, you know, I was debating <laughs> Phil Kessel because, but then he's going to be president of the United States, isn't that what they were pushing for him to be president? Both for Phil today, so maybe he won't play even. That's true. That's true. I, I seriously considered writing him in on my ballot this morning. <laughs> uh, but Greg, perhaps the, the most important question we're going to ask you today, uh, how can our listeners get their hands on your book? Oh, well, that's, of course, a good question. I run a, my website is alloverbooks.ca. Uh, there's obviously links there. But, I mean, in this day and age, there's Amazon or in, Chapters Indigo or any of those stores certainly have it. Uh, and what most people don't know these days is, but, I mean, what few bookstores are around, they're always happy to order you a book. If you don't go in there and ask them, they'll bring it in. They might bring in one or two because there might be somebody else who wants it. Uh, so don't be scared to venture into a bookstore, folks, and uh, and ask for a book. Uh, yeah, it's called, uh, well, I'm Greg Oliver, and yeah, this is my 10th, 6th hockey book, 10th book overall, I think. Uh, Paul didn't mention his love of pro wrestling. I've done a lot of wrestling books. <laughs> I was going to get to that in the windup. Uh, you were good enough to bring me to the old Maple Leaf Gardens to take a look at it, and we watched a wrestling program together. And that was uh, that was a great experience. Greg, I want to I want to give uh, give you my personal congratulations for your work on this fine volume. It's called Blue Lines, Goal Lines, and Bottom Lines, folks. Thanks for coming on podcast with Statsman and AJ Greg, and good luck with your book sales, my friend. Thank you both for having me on. Have a good rest of the show. Thanks, Greg. Thank you. All right, AJ, that was interesting. Well, let's you and I get into our weekly storylines now and have a look around the league where we can again do an NHL-wide sweep of the key roster news from around the hockey world. We'll start in Anaheim. Now that uh, Lindholm has finally signed, his season debut is being delayed because he had to secure his work visa as a foreign player. It's our understanding, though, that he all is going to be in order shortly and he could get his debut under his belt in the next few days. Yeah, I definitely expect him to still take some time to adjust to the speed of the game. Um, you know, I look for a guy like Holzner um, kind of being the most likely candidate, though, to see a drop in time when, when Lindholm is ready to slot in. And uh, let's let's talk about what's going on in Arizona. I think this is one uh, where I'm going to have to concede a loony to you because uh, I think I blew it here. Injuries in goal and up front are starting to really hurt the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, exposing them for what you thought that they would be. Uh, you called this team to struggle, and they certainly are. They've got no first-line center now that Marty Hansel's on the IR, leaving them very thin at the center position. Who steps up, I wonder? Maybe this is finally Dylan Strom's time to shine. Uh, injuries to Mark Stone and Tobias Ryder uh, at defense and up front really hurt things as well. 
Yeah, I think the the silver lining there for the Coyotes is that they're going to get a chance to look at both Strom and Dvorak at the same time rather than just having one of them there, one in the minors. Um, they do have to make a decision uh, in the next three games on, uh, you know, on Dylan Strom, whether or not to send him back down. Um, but so I do think there is a silver lining for them. Like I said uh, in our previous show, I think they're a couple years away. So, you know, take the good when you can um, in the midst of the bad there. Yeah, and uh, I, I agree with that uh, assessment. In Boston, we talked about Brandon Carlo a little bit, but it's time to give our, our listeners a bit more of a thumb tail. This guy has partnered with Zeno Chara, and he's almost as big as Chara. I didn't realize it until I got a good look at him. This guy's six foot five and well over 200 pounds. Maybe this, this defense pairing is the mo- among the most imposing, certainly physically in the NHL, but Carlo is starting to put up some points as well. Yeah, I, I would look to him to maybe be their long-term replacement for Chara. You know, Chara's getting a little bit up there. Um, you know, they may actually look to you know, maybe trade Chara at some point this season. I know that might be blasphemy there in Boston, but, you know, he's he's getting up in, there in age. His, his contract's a little heavy based on his point production. So, you know, if Carlo can really succeed, um, they may look to, to ship out Chara. Wow, that's a great big call. Uh, big contract, too, uh, in the short term for Chara. But we saw a guy like Dion Phaneuf get moved last year, and we'll talk a little bit about that situation, too. But, uh, yeah, it wouldn't shock me to see what the, whether the Bruins try and get something for, for Chara if their season does go south. They've got a big game against Montreal, and uh, that'll be one that I'll be watching later on today. In Buffalo, uh, injuries have really prevented this team from from uh, showing what their... their uh, where they're at in their rebuild, AJ. Evander Kane with a rib injury could finally return to the lineup this week. I'm really anxious to see what this guy is capable of on the ice because a couple of years ago he was regarded as one of the best power winger prospects coming up through the ranks. So what do you expect from him when he gets healthy? And also talk to me about uh, your views on Bogosian being out several weeks on that defense core with a sprained MCL. That's a big blow on the blue line for Buffalo as well. Yeah, I look for Evander Kane to bump Molson out of that top spot pretty quickly. You know, he, as you mentioned, he is just a, a, a extremely talented player. Uh, you know, I would look for, you know, 30 to 40 points again this year. Pretty consistent with where he's been at throughout his career. Um, and then, yeah, Bogosian's a huge hit. I mean, this team was already pretty much dependent on on Rasmus Ristolainen as their top player to, you know, top defensive player to begin with, kind of carrying that group. And Bogosian being out just makes him that much weaker. And in Calgary, another team that's not showing its true potential. That's because they're really not too good on the defensive side of the puck. And I'm surprised when you look at the core of this blue line, it's not at it's nowhere near the profile that it had through much of last season, where a lot of these guys were scoring a lot of points, and they were they were generating a lot of offense. But the defensive structure of this team, uh, particularly with that group, is really what's called into question, and it's reflected also on uh, on Brian Elliott's attempt to get settled in net there. He's continuing to struggle. This is another one that you called. Yeah, Elliott kind of faked me out there a little bit. He had a that three-game win streak uh, going, so I thought maybe he had put some early season struggles behind him, but once again dropped another three in the row, uh, 3.69 goals against average. I just, I'm not sold on Brian Elliott as, as a goaltender. I think St. Louis made the right move and uh, shipped him out. And uh, then we go over to another team that's struggling on the blue line, and that is the uh, Carolina uh, Carolina Hurricanes, uh, AJ. This is a team that's uh, got a wealth of goaltending talent. They got two quality guys back there in Eddie Lack and Cam Ward, but they lost uh, maybe for a long while Justin Falk, who's one of the one of the secrets in the NHL. This guy is among the highest scoring defensemen around uh, for year to year, and he was off to another fine start in Carolina, but there's an undisclosed injury that's got him out of the lineup. We don't have too many details on this guy yet, even on our uh, up-to-date Rotowire site. So uh, I'm hopeful that it's not a long-term situation because this guy would, his absence would certainly decimate a number of people who are in season-long hockey pools who, who picked them. Yeah, Coach Bill Peters wouldn't even like pin it down to a specific uh, section of the body. He called it upper or middle body. <laughs> I mean, that could really be pretty much anything. You know, so we know it's not his knee, it's not his ankle, uh, or, you know, a leg. That's about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if he's out long term, that's, that is going to be a huge blow. You're dead on there, Paul. 
In Chicago, we got Marion Hosa off to a surprising start. Trevor Van Riemsdyk, uh, well, with a groin injury. So we got some good news and some bad news with the Hawks. Marion Hosa, though, this guy is one of the more complete complete guys in the NHL, I think, when in terms of a two-way game. And uh, I wonder if his hot start can translate into the full season. He's way ahead of the pace that, that uh, looks like he's going to rebound from one of the, the darkest seasons of his career. I know you know a little bit about this guy because he did pass through your favorite club at one point. Yeah, he was there for a brief stretch uh, and then left us to, to go to the, the rival and, and then ended up losing the Stanley Cup again. I guess he should have stuck with us a little bit longer. I'm not bitter about it at all, Paul. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, to, to get back to his production, he has been fantastic to start off the year. Um, I think he's motivated to win another cup. He's, he has really found a, a good home in Chicago. They've done some great things together. And, you know, he's trying to pick up a little bit of slack that I think they have from kind of their bottom six guys um, aren't producing the same that you're kind of used to seeing from the Blackhawks. So I, I think Marion Hossa is on, on the warpath to try and win another one. And uh, in Colorado, one of the guys that I was expecting a big season from, I thought Nathan McKinnon was headed for a breakout campaign here. He's off to a very slow start in Colorado, and that's hurt. That's going to hurt this franchise because they pin a lot of their hopes on, on him to be almost one their signature player. Uh, they've moved him up to the first line left wing to try and spark him offensively, and that's not the only problem here. Uh, the guy that they had carried the lion's share of the goaltending last couple of years, uh, Semyon Varlamov, is struggling in the nets too. Uh, what do you see from both these players? Can they shake uh, the cobwebs and, and turn things around, or is this the real deal in Colorado? I'm definitely concerned about McKinnon, um, both for you know for Colorado fans out there as well. For my season-long fantasy team, I picked him up as well. I'm in a little bit of a hole now, one and two in a, in a head-to-head league. Uh, McKinnon just hasn't done anything. I think he can right the ship eventually. I'm not sure how long it's going to take. I actually benched him this week. Um, and then as far as Varlamov goes, you know, they're going to go with Picard tonight. And I, th- I think that could be an indicator of a, of a change coming, whether they're going to do a full switch or just go to more of a goalie split. I think we'll have to wait and see a little bit, but they're definitely going to pursue other options. It looks like for now. And uh, we'll look at Columbus. As I said, they jumped several notches in my books when they clobbered Montreal 10, nothing last week. And I want to highlight their captain, Nick Felino. all of a sudden, this guy, this guy has 12 points in 10 games and is really rolling offensively, making up for what was a subpar season last year. Uh, looks like he's got his game in order. And I like this type of player because he can mix it up as well, pile up the penalty minutes. And some in a lot of season-long formats, he qualifies as an enforcer, and that makes the scoring that he does extra valuable. So I like to highlight that aspect there. And then also their 19-year-old defenseman, Wierenski, looks like he's uh, ready to assume first-line minutes, and he's going to have to, uh, AJ, because it looks like Seth Jones uh, is out uh, for several weeks with a fracture in his foot. So there's a lot going on in Columbus. This is a team that I thought a couple of years ago was really getting their act together with the wealth of the power forward types that they were accumulating. But it seems like that aspect of the game is almost passing passing the league by, and it's gone to a more fleet skating uh, game. And, and I think that's where what's hurt this club overall, if I can editorialize for a minute. But give me your thoughts on Felino, Wierenski, and Seth Jones' situation. Yeah, the Seth Jones uh, injury is a huge blow. And, you know, it's always interesting to hear these guys talk after injuries. And, and probably one of the most uh, hockey tough guy stories, they talked of uh, Seth Jones didn't want to take his skate off in between uh, periods because he was worried it would swell up too much and he wouldn't be able to get it back on. So uh, toughed it out there for the rest of the game. But yeah, it could be, you know, three to four weeks, it looks like. And he's really in, you know, he's not replaceable um, on that squad. Jack Johnson will probably try and pick up a slack a little bit. And he's a capable defenseman, don't get me wrong. Um, but Wierinski and Johnson are, are not going to be even combined make up for for what they're losing with Seth Jones sidelined and uh, over in Detroit uh, there's some head scratching going on here in there in some circles they're having a trouble trouble scoring goals they've only got 10 in their last six games and Thomas Vanek went down with a groin injury this is one where I get to pat myself on the back once uh, AJ I got this one right to anyone who disagreed with my preseason assessment of him see this guy's an injury waiting to happen he's not his best day he's well past his best due date uh, they also have an issue in net where 
I was surpri I'm surprised to see one goalie's hot and one goalie's cold. It's just that the expectations were reversed. I thought Mrazek would be the guy that's hot and Jimmy Howard would be the cold one, but Howard has turned things around and he is getting a greater share of the net than I thought he would. And that big contract of his it may not be the albatross that I thought it was either. Yeah, Paul, I have to disagree with you on, on Vanek here. I, I think he's having a, a good year. Yes, the, the injury you know sets him back a little bit, but he's producing at a level when he is healthy that he hasn't done you know the last couple of years in Minnesota just because he's kind of a head case in a lot of ways. Uh, it sounds like over there they weren't able to win with him. And, and I think they're going to be really missing his scoring ability. Uh, they'll get him back eventually, I think. Uh, but, you know, I, I think he was all, altogether, I think he was a good signing by the team. I, I think they're going to be happy to have him over the course of the season. Um, but, yeah, it, you highlighted the goalies. And I think Howard's just not ready to, to roll over and give the, that starting job over to Mrazek. And, you know, I, I'm questioning Mrazek's kind of mental toughness, if he can handle having Howard kind of looming over his shoulder like that. It seems like it's, you know, it's bothering him a little bit. And if he lets it continue to, you know, lead to him struggling, you're going to see Howard retake this starting job, I think. Well, I think we might need an arbitrator to go over that Vanek situation. I'm going to wait and see how the season plays out, but I don't expect him to be back for a while. And when he comes back, I think he's going to do a great job of floating around the ice like I expected him to do. <laughs> That's all I'll say there. The Edmonton Oilers, this is a team that came through Toronto recently. I got a good look at them, and I see lots of skilled players, but they just seem to be missing some ingredient. Up front, I was surprised to see that Milan Lucic just seems to be floating around a little bit. I expected this guy to be a tiger in this lineup, and uh, the fact that he hasn't really uh, has given the uh, opened the door for Pat Maroon to move up to first line left wing. He's a guy who's had some experience in pri previous stops, particularly in Anaheim, where he played first line minutes. So I think this is a good move to to put Maroon in there and not lose too much on that first unit and get uh, Lucic to shake his head and uh, up and and. Uh, and really commit to this team offense uh, and be a factor that he was expected to, to fill a key role there. So uh, I wonder how long this experiment's going to take. And I'm also concerned that this team is missing three starters on the defense. If you count uh, Andrew Ferentz, it's four, actually. So some thoughts there on what's going on in Edmonton. Uh, my big concern with, with moving Lucic down is whether or not he checks out. Um, you know, I'm not sure... He's, he's always used to kind of being a, a top guy there. And if he checks out mentally, his game's just going to get a little bit more worse. Um, I, I, you know, I think it's the biggest lack they have due to injuries uh, is on the, the blue line. I think they need to bring somebody in. I'm not sure what they can offer as far as trade you know, uh, value, but I think they need to look at making a trade, bringing in a, a top four defenseman to kind of help shore up that blue line a little bit. A name that I'll throw out that they should be peddling is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. This guy is a number one overall pick from a few years ago, AJ, that, that they have room to move him because most teams get by with two really good centers, I'll say, and, and I like Dreisaitl to be the number two guy there. So, so maybe Ryan Nugent Hopkins is the candidate that they will be looking to move to fix the, uh, the ailment on the back end that uh, is cl clearly evident on that blue line. Let's jump over to the south. You mentioned Florida off the top of the show as your destination where you went skydiving. I'm going to be there in a week and a half myself. Not doing any skydiving, my friend, but I am going you to You should, be Paul. You absolutely should. <laughs> I can get you in touch with my guys down there. Yeah, it'll be a great experience. I need to be convinced, man. We'll have to talk about that after the show. Uh, but the Florida Panthers, this is a team that we both expected some great things out of this club. But uh, the concentration of scoring is something that I want to highlight here. They have 17 of their 32 goals scored by three players. That means the rest of the lineup scored uh, barely a goal a game here. That's got to be a huge concern. And I wonder if a guy like uh, Bugstead, who could be returning from a hand injury this week, and uh, UC Jokinen, those are two big pieces in this lineup that were out for a while. And, uh, and I wonder if that's all that's necessary here to get the right the ship. Uh, your thoughts on that situation? I agree with you there, Paul. I think getting Jokinen and Bukestad back will help spread out the scoring a little bit. Uh, I'm actually not concerned. I think it's a it's a good sign for the team that with those guys out, and you got Jonathan Huberto out too, that you know those three players were you know able to kind of put the team on their back for for the short term. 
Uh, looks like Jokinen will maybe be back uh, on Thursday. Bukestad maybe not till next week. But I, I think once they get him back, you'll see a, a little more um, even scoring. Uh, it'll even out a little bit. And for those people that are concerned about Aaron Ekblad and two points and a minus five and 12 games played, I'm going to say just chill. This guy has uh, got talent coming out of his ears. And uh, if, if anybody wants to sell low on this guy, I would bite hard. Uh, that's how much I think of him. Uh, this guy's a former number one draft pick uh, overall, and he's full value for that. He'll be he'll be right where you expect him in the 40 to 50 point range when the season's done with a good plus record, as we say, when this uh, forward complement gets back to full strength. One of the interesting situations that I watched for in L.A. was when I heard that Devin Setaguchi was going to get a player tryout. Uh, he failed in that opportunity in Toronto. But he didn't in Los Angeles. He has four points in 12 games. Not a great total, but he's managed to find his way into the top three lines uh, consistently. And and uh, this guy, uh, he has a scoring profile in his background, a scoring pedigree. And there is some upside there that is, remains untapped. I expect him to be, uh, to be with this team all year long. I'm putting him down for between 30 to 40 points, I think. And uh, he's a guy that, that I suspect may surprise some people down the road then on the blue line they have a, a little bit of a situation developing there with the injury to Braden McNabb who broke a collarbone and is out until early December that gives a kid named Kevin Gravel to move up to the second D pairing with a suspension looming possibility for for Gilbert on the blue line so watch out for Kevin Gravel on the blue line and uh, I wonder what you expect with Devin Sataguchi I suspect that you don't agree with my assessment I do not, Paul. I, I think he's going to be more of a bust or boom player. You know, he had a seven-game stretch there without any points, but then he did follow it up with a, a two-game outing against Calgary. Uh, so I, I don't think he's going to hit that 30-point mark. I expect him closer to, you know, 20, 25 maybe. Um, so I think it's just going to be ups and downs all season with him. I think he's maybe a better DFS uh, player. Just it, you got to try and pick the night he's going to hit as opposed to uh, trying to keep him season long because you don't want to be stuck with him in there for you know one of those longer pointless stretches. Uh, and, and a great point about defense there in, in L.A. as well. You know, th- I think this team came in and their defensive core looked really solid and suddenly their liability. I mean, Gilbert's got one more game to sit. McNabb, as you mentioned, out long term. And that's just going to, you know, point even more attention towards the fact that they're completely missing a number one goaltender as well um, and have some struggles there and, you know, until they can get their guy back. Yeah, to that point, Jeff Zadkoff, I think, is coming off the injured reserve and he'll ba- he'll share duties with Budai for the next little while. They're going to miss quick big time. And uh, we come to the Montreal Canadiens and I want to talk again about their 10 nothing shellacking from Columbus just because it happened to Montreal. I love that, <laughs> the, but I'm concerned for, for the dressing room a little bit because they left backup goalie Al Montoya in that game all night long. I think their hands are tied there because they don't want to send uh, Carey Price into the nets in the middle of that debacle when they have another game the next day, and I think that's the bottom line there. Shea Weber has 10. Uh, he has a plus 15. He has 10 points already. Can he keep this up? Do you sell high on this guy, this stud on the blue line? That's the plus side in the Canadians. I know we fielded some tweets about that one too. I'm not selling uh, Shea Weber at all. I want him on my team. If if somebody's trying to sell high, I'll I'll, I'll shell out what I need to shell out to get him. I, I think he's been the the better half of that trade through this point in the year, um, and it's making you know it's making Montreal look like the big winners on that one. And I I agree. Montoya's gotta. It's part of the backup job. You know his role is to be in there to give Carey Price the night off. And if he performs poorly, you got to leave him in and let him get shelled. It's it's unfortunate, but it's you know it's kind of what happens. It's the nature of the backup role. Exactly, well said. In Nashville, I'll gloss over much of the lineup because there's not a whole lot going on there. And uh, the worst highlight among that roster is the defensive side of the puck, where Roman Josie and PK Subban have been separated. They they sport minus eight, minus seven marks respectively and they're only paired on the power play boy oh boy when when you see uh, Weber doing so well and these guys struggling on the defensive side of the puck that really tells you who's the early winner in this deal but I want to jump to the Islanders situation we just went through a year of pining for uh, Steven Stamkos to come to Toronto you can substitute John Tavares uh, 
right now uh, people are starting to whisper about that possibility. He'd be 28 when, he, when his contract expires on the island. I only bring it up because he's got to be unhappy with the lackluster supporting cast that uh, is around him now. Andrew Ladd finally got his first goal of the year last night. He's got an assist to go with that in 13 games. The 26-year-old has this. Uh, Tavares has this year and next, as I say. He'll look, be looking for a raise from his $5.5 million cap hit. So uh, do you think he's going to be happy to stay on the island? Is he really committed there, or will he be shopping around? I think if the best they can do for him is is Andrew Ladd as, as far as bringing guys in, then, yeah, I think he's going to be looking at other options. You know, he, he does command a lot of attention you know, power uh, and attention in that locker room. So he should be able to go to management and say, look, you need to do something for me. I, you know, I can't carry this team alone. You know, Ladd has been just an absolute bust. I mean, 38.5 million over seven years. They definitely overpaid for this guy. And, you know, I, th I think they need to show Tavares something to say, hey, look, we're, we're behind you. We'll get you what you need. Otherwise, yeah, I think he walks. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, a guy that I was wondering why so many people were down in New York on Rick Nash, the Burley veteran's gotten off to a gr another great start. Uh, he's got six goals and three assists in only 13 games before last night, putting him well ahead of last season's pace and on track with what he'd done for the prior couple of years. I'd take this guy on my team. He's, he's a game-breaker, a big guy with, a, with soft hands. You don't find that too often, AJ. So anybody that would give up on Rick Nash... I, I think I'd be uh, trying to pry him loose from their roster. Yeah, I was down on him at the start of the year as well. I mean, he did have just such a down 2015-16 season, 36 points in, in 60 games. But, you know, he's looking like the, the player he was the year before that. I, I think he can do it again. So I, my, I tip my cap to you on this one. I, I definitely was selling on, on Rick Nash early in the season. So for those keeping score, I think it's about a 2-2 two -two tie between us with this loony thing. It's not <laughs> going anywhere, but I'll win on the exchange rate. We call that the juice, I guess, in this case. <laughs> there you go. The Ottawa Senators, you know, they, they have a, a sad story in the Nets with, with Craig Anderson. Well, I hope it turns out well, but he's going to be dealing with his wife's uh, cancer diagnosis. We really hope and pray that it turns out well there, but he's going to be away from this team for a while. It's beyond that, though. This is a team that I simply don't get, AJ. I'm thrilled as a Leaf fan that they pried uh, Dion Phaneuf out of this organization in Toronto and took his onerous contract with him. It can be argued that they dumped a lot of salary at the front end of this trade, but all that's by the boards now, uh, pretty much, and uh, for the Leafs in that deal. But most of the money uh, that the Senators owe is still going to be there for four more years in addition to this one. And he's not even close to being worth that dough. Uh, I, I just don't understand that deal from Ottawa's perspective. But they did make an interesting move, I think, by adding Mike Condon to a crowded goalie mix. This is a guy that I think could be em emerge eventually as the number one guy. That's how good I think he can be. I agree with you on that enough deal. It, it seems strange at the time. Honestly, it was the type of deal I'd expect from a team just trying to hit the cap floor a little bit, you know, something that you could have seen out of Arizona. They've done that a lot recently, um, but this team isn't that, you know, they're not that bad. I mean, they're not that good either, but you know, we talked about this earlier in the season about this team doesn't have an identity. Are they, you know, compiling veterans for one last run? Are they trying to pick up rookies as part of a rebuild? This deal just adds to that inconsistency of what they're trying to do there. And I agree as well on the Mike Condon deal. I, I think it allows Anderson to kind of come and go as necessary with, you know, with dealing with his wife's cancer diagnosis. So I think it gives them a little bit of security, especially with Hammond injured, to allow you know, Anderson that freedom. I want to talk about your club and mine uh, before we end this segment. Uh, let's talk about what's going on with Pittsburgh, another squad where scoring is concentrated in the early going. Crosby, Malkin, and Hornquist have accounted for half of the Penguins' goals so far, and Fleury's sitting with a 3.07 goals against and a, an ordinary 90.8% save percentage. They get Pouliot back on the fence on Tuesday of this week, I, I guess, and so that's got to be some good news, but are you a little bit concerned about uh, the numbers that I pointed out? I'm not. When when Sidney Crosby can reach the top of the, the scoring uh, tally in just six games, when other guys have had 12, it uh, feels like a good year already to me. And you look at their last game on Saturday, you actually got uh, goals from Benino and Kunitz, both their first goals of the season. 
you know, Eric Fair got his second goal this season. So it's starting to, to spread out a little bit. Um, I, you know, the pool, you mentioned Pouliot being back on defense. I, I think he's going to be a healthy scratch most nights. They seem pretty set with Ian Cole and Justin Schultz as that, that bottom pair. You know, maybe Pouliot slots in for Olimata, who has struggled a lot this season. Um, but I think on most nights, he's going to end up being a healthy scratch. Yeah, I think the profile that those guys had was too much for them in the front end of the uh, early part of their careers, rather. Uh, I was expecting Pouliot and Mata to, to eventually become top four guys. Maybe that day will come, but it's not there yet right now, and uh, they're looking just fine anyway. Uh, over here in Toronto, three rookies lead the team scoring race, and all of a sudden, Freddie Anderson is forwarding a 5-2-3 and three record in goal. It's happy times in Toronto, i got to say, and uh, I wonder what it looks like from your, your perspective. I, I love that they've got three outstanding talents. You know, you, you talk about Austin Matthews. You know, you've got Nylander there kind of taking all the, the hype and then just sitting there on that second line behind them. you got Mitch Marner quietly compiling stats. Uh, he's kind of their their silent assassin on the second line, and I think it's it's really looking up there in Toronto. Yeah. I didn't expect them to be a playoff team this year, but I think they might be, Paul. Oh, boy. got got to get my uh, sweater uh, all uh, cleaned up then. I, I, I'll break it out for the postseason uh, attendance at the, at the Air Canada Center. <laughs> Winnipeg, finally there's some good news there with Jacob Truba signing a two-year deal for $6 bucks. I wonder, AJ, if this is strictly a... A potential for uh, for trade for trading this kid, uh, he he has expressed an interest in wanting out, and uh, maybe this facilitates that. Yeah, that's a perfect trade trade contract in my opinion. It doesn't you know settle a team with him long term if he doesn't pan out. It's not too much money up front either. I, I think you'll see him play for a couple of weeks, show what he can do. But I'd be shocked if after the trade line trade deadline he's still playing in Winnipeg. All right, AJ, let's take a break from talking hockey and remind our uh, listeners that FanDuel is uh, sponsoring this program and uh, fantasy football fans have all the victory every Sunday with FanDuel. Fantasy football for everyday fans. There's new contests starting every week. No busted season. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. New this year, there's an upgraded experience. Get even more contest variety. Try beginner contests for new players only. Settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head deal. Try a 50-50 contest where the top half win cash, play in larger tournaments for even more money and more excitement. You can even play for as low as a dollar, folks. There's choices for every budget. You know, I've had some fun with this thing. Uh, most years that I've been involved, I've been in contention in the staff Vegas League, and it looks like I will be again. I pulled off a win last night, AJ, against uh, our buddy Kenny, Cri- Kenny Kreitz. That was a rivalry game for me because Kenny and I are pretty good buddies. And uh, it was at a time when most of my, uh, ha- my key guys were on a bye week. And, and yet I turned up with the highest fan duel total of my season in, in that league, pulling off a win last night with the aid of uh, Jimmy Graham and, and Seattle going nuts in that Monday nighter. Uh, how do, I know you had a, a better week than I did in the uh, in the staff uh, free roll. Tell me about your success there. Yeah, I came in fourth. I, I utilized Melvin Gordon as as my big scorer, thirty four point one points, uh, which you know with that rushing TD, one hundred ninety six rushing yards. Uh, nice homer pick for me too. It always feels good when a Wisconsin Badger performs well. Uh, and then I also cash in on on Rogers, Jason Witten, uh, Odell Beckham. Uh, they all had solid outings, you know, worked really well for me. You know, and you mentioned the, the Rotowire Staff League. Paul, we might be headed for a uh, year-end collision. I'm leading my half of the of the Rotowire uh, season-long Vegas League as excellent, well. Excellent, excellent. So it's, it's kind of a unique format, but, uh, you know, it could be us uh, – Dividing, dividing the winnings at the end of the year. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. And in, in terms of daily podcast, we're going to do my co-host there. John McKechnie is doing very well in our league. We're on a collision course this weekend in that Vegas league too. So there'll be plenty of uh, trash talking in the DFS pods. You don't want to miss that this week. And we'll remind our listeners, uh, we, we will highlight the players that we like for this week on the daily pods. Uh, we treat the, we t- tweet them out uh, Monday to Friday. Make sure you listen to them, folks. There's a lot of good information there. We invite people to play in the Rotowire Championship by going to fanduel.com slash rotowire hyphen championship. 
Have all that fantasy football has to offer, folks, with FanDuel Be Sports Rich. There's a special offer for new users. Get a free six-month subscription to Rotowire with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Not only will you get a free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel. That's over $40 in value for just $10. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Uh, we gotta, we're going to build our teams for tonight's uh, fantasy uh, FanDuel uh, games in the hockey side. There's 10 games to choose from. AJ, who do you got at center? All right, so it'll obviously come as no surprise. I shelled out big Homer. for Sidney Crosby here. Homer. <laughs> yeah, yeah 8900 uh, huge price tag. But as I mentioned before, he's already leading the league in scoring uh, in goals in just six games. He's, he's on a roll, and I'm, I'm going to ride it as long as I can. And then uh, went a little bit cheaper for my other center option, Kuznetsov at 5,700. You know, that Washington offense is starting to get going a little bit, and I, I think that can be a little bit of a trickle-down effect to that second line as well. Uh, wh- what did you do down the middle, Paul? Well, I took the other guy that plays center with Washington on the first line, Nick Backstrom. I love the fact that he's back with Ovi, and for $6,500, I'm taking that bet. And then I'm going to do my own homer pick, AJ. I'm going to pick Austin Matthews for 6000 bucks. He hasn't scored a goal for a while, but this guy factors into the play every night. He, he's really shown me a lot in terms of the skill set that he brings to the table. And he's pouring shots on goal. I just think it's a matter of time before one or two go in. And I think with the backup goalie situation in Los Angeles coming to the fore, it's a good opportunity for him to get off the schneid tonight. Your four wingers. So I'll start off with my, my big value play. I, I can't recommend this play enough. I'm going to go with uh, Grabner at 4,500. He's got seven points in his last five games. I also like the matchup there as well. Vancouver's been a little leaky. Um, so to that end, I'm also going to double up with, uh, with Kreider as well, a little bit more expensive at 6,200. And then uh, I'll go with Patrick Eves uh, for uh, 4,600, another kind of value guy. He's off to a slow start. But he is still on the top line, still playing on the power play. And, and for that price tag, I just couldn't pass up. And then I highlighted him before, Mitch Marner at uh, 4,800, the silent assassin on, on Toronto's second line there. And I, I think, uh, you know, he's not getting the same accolades, but he is getting the same level of scoring. You know what? I'm going to start tweeting that out when I highlight Mitch Marner on, on my local tweets here, too. That, that'll be interesting to see if that catches on. I really like that. Uh, I'm looking at the matchups here, and one of them screams a huge Mitch mismatch. Vancouver's had all kinds of trouble keeping the puck out on that and scoring goals. And I'm on the other side of that with two of my winger picks. Rick Nash, we highlighted him earlier in the show, $6,500. The big man is rolling. And uh, the little guy that plays with him sometimes, on, but certainly on the power play there together, and that's Matt Zuccarello, a real fan favorite in MSG for $5,700. I think he's way undervalued, particularly with this matchup. Then I'll throw a nod to a, a, a great right winger that I, I've been a fan of Phil Kessel his whole career, and uh, this will please you too to see that I'm on that bus today for 6800 bucks. I might go out and get him on my, one of those Vote for Phil t-shirts today if they're available locally. <laughs> Gabriel Landeskog, you also highlighted him. He's a, he's a leader in Colorado, and I think he has to come to the fore tonight. And he's got a pretty attractive price at price point of 5600 bucks. Yeah, I'll definitely point out there to our, uh, our listeners here, between the two of us, we've highlighted four New York Ranger uh, wingers that we're going with. It's definitely a matchup that you want to capitalize, whether you go with my guys or Paul's or a combination of the two. It definitely is a spot to take advantage there. And then after we do all that talking, watch Vancouver pull the upside of the year. Year two, de- yeah, year two defensemen, AJ. All right. So, yeah, on the blue line, I'm going to go with Shea Weber at 6,100. We've talked about him at, at, at length. You know, Boston's been a little bit leaky. Weber's racking up points, both even strength and on the power play. And then my other uh, blue liner is going to be the Ghost. Uh, going to go with Gustafsberg at 5,900. I might consider swapping this out if it comes out that that Howard's going to be the the netminder there in Detroit. I'll be checking the the RotoWire uh, starting goalie grid for that one. But if it's if it's Mrazek in goal, I'm going to stick with Gustafsberg at 5,900. Well, what are you doing on on the defensive side of the puck ball? Well, you know this is where I try to save some money, AJ, and and I look for guys that are the power play quarterbacks of teams that that aren't priced so high. And, and I found two guys near the bottom end of this board that I really have some confidence in, and that's uh, Eric Johnson 
for $4,400. And then Severson with New Jersey at $4,300. They're both going to be manning the power point, uh, playing the power play quarterback role, and that's for cheap value. I like those picks a lot. It gives me flexibility to spend money elsewhere. And uh, you heard some of the forward picks that I made that, uh, that were big dollar plays in that regard. Winding it up, your goalie pick. I'm a little surprised on this one, but you're going to explain it, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Pickard there with Colorado, 8300 Trying to save a little bit of money here. There's there's some really high-priced options out there. I know you took one of them, um, but I like the matchup against Arizona just with the struggling team. I equate this to you know stacking your defense against Cleveland this season. You can probably stack your netminder against Arizona most nights. Uh, so that's that's kind of my thought process there. But I know you're thinking a little differently in goal, Paul. Yeah, I spent up a little bit of money. I saw a big mismatch opportunity and a chance for uh, a shutout against Vancouver. And no better than Henrik Lundqvist going for me in that one. For $9,100, if King Henrik starts, I'm all over it. I'll have to, again, watch the starting goalie grid because that will be a key determinant. Uh, I don't, you don't want to miss on these picks, so you want to make sure that we get the goalies right, and our site will give that information to you. Well, we're about ready to wind up the show, but we, before we do that, we got to go to our signature pieces and the stud and the rant of the week for my stud of the week i'm going to pick a guy who's been largely underrated i think through much of his career yet he's an nhl ironman aj he's playing almost 27 minutes a game again that ranks him third in the entire league he's going to be first by the end of the season as he's been the last couple of seasons coming off a 51 point campaign of course i'm talking about ryan Suter of the minnesota wild he's got 10 points in 11 games with a plus five as well this is a guy that got 51 points last week i bet you if we took a poll of our listeners to name the 50 point defenseman in the league this would be the guy that they'd miss he's that much of a low maintenance uh, to no maintenance kind of guy who's a coach's dream Suter fills that mold is a player who doesn't make headlines for the wrong reasons He's so dependable, AJ, and in taking all the defensive duties on special teams and, and, and on special teams on the power play, and yet doesn't really get his due. Well, we want to pay our respects because we noticed what an asset he is for the Wild, and he's on a career-best pace to boot right now. Yeah, off the ice, uh, Suter's been a tremendous promoter of hockey here in his hometown of Madison, Wisconsin. He helped bring uh, back the USHL hockey uh, with the Madison Capitals, you know, his entire family are big supporters of youth and high school programs. He's just a great ambassador for the game here in Wisconsin. Now, that's a great ad because I didn't know about the local tie-in, so thanks for bringing that up. It just makes this guy the total package when you want to highlight what's good about this game. This guy's name should be mentioned more often than it is. Now it's time for one of my annual rants at this time of the season. This is, uh, I call it, get up, stand up. And it's aimed at goalies and goalie coaches all over, the, all over North America. AJ... I have coached minor hockey, as you know, for a number of years, and I really rail against goalie coaches that come in and try to teach my kids that it's okay to flop around on the long shots. We've seen so many shots go over shoulders and in on short sides because of bad positioning. Where you look at the black and white films that exist of the early days of hockey, goalies were taught to stand up and cut the angles. Whatever happened to all of that is what I... I wonder, it seems that the goalies have strayed away from the notion that angles and standing up is a good deterrent to stopping pucks. Uh, I'm hopeful that this rant resonates with minor hockey coaches and parents who are listening. There is a better way to play the goal than sprawling and hitting the deck as, as soon as somebody's on the backswing. I say stand on your feet for the long shots and use your goalie stick to deflect pucks away rather than swat flies away, holding it up at your waist and using it like a baton. Yeah, I think we saw this trade on full display by Martin Jones in, the, in that 5-0 defeat to the Penguins. You, he even had Brent Burns sliding across the ice, completely taking away the lower portion of the net. Yet, for some reasons, Jones still dropped down and gave up the top of the net with just enough room for Kudnitz to, to snipe one home. You know, positioning is key in all other aspects of the game. And suddenly, we, you know, we forget about it when it comes to goal, goaltending. And it really doesn't make any sense. I, I think you're right on there, Paul. Well, and, and if you listen to this show at least a couple of times a year, I'm going to be talking about this uh, because it's going to come up when we watch the highlights. It sickens me when I see a six foot four goalie have one go over his shoulder. It just looks bad, and, and it's bad optics, and it kills a team's morale. They say, you know what, you're so big, just stand there and block the bloody shot. In any case, that's going to do it for this week's show. Remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow AJ at AJSholes24, and you can follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. 
We ask you to look out for PuckCast Hockey Pod every week so that you get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contest. So long, everybody. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.